Welcome to the Profitable NDIS Provider Podcast, where we're joined by your hosts, Tanya Gomez and Paul Bryan. In each episode, we'll be sharing valuable insights and tips to help you turn your NDIS business into a profitable venture. So whether you're just starting out or looking to take your business to the next level, you've come to the right place. Let's stop surviving and start thriving. Hi, guys. Welcome back to the Profitable NDIS Provider Podcast. I'm Tanya and I'm here with Paul, my co-host. Hey, Paul. How you going? And we're here with Chris, the NDIS Ninja. So great to have you back with us, Chris. Hey, guys. Great to uh, jump on again. Hey, Chris. It was so good talking with you last time. You gave us so much information and I hope that our listeners went back over, listened to that. And have even reached out and, and contacted you because the way you are changing the industry is fantastic. And, uh, I love your, your heart around it to really make a change and help providers do really well. So thank you again so much for joining us, the NDIS Ninja. I love it. Thank you. Yeah. No, it's great to be, great to be on. And, um, yeah, if we can, we can help. Um, anyway, we will. So Chris, Brilliant. tell us. Tell us about the NGS Ninja. We didn't talk about this last time. What is the NGS Ninja? Where did that come from? And um, yeah, why? Why the NGS Ninja? Um, I don't know. I, I, for for me, like normally when I say everything, it sounds that like everything's very well thought out and planned. But um, it was one that sort of worked. It was a, a tag that was available. It was uh, manageable. It was really. Um, not so much branding it after the fact, but we knew that we could put that together and it was a malleable brand that could be created. So it didn't have any connotations one way or the other. Most of the time when we build brands, we look um, to build the the brand, uh, sorry, the like logo and name and stuff last after we get all the other parts. But we needed a, a clean, crisp, um, no connotations to it brand that we could make sort of malleable and um, you know, position it however. So that's sort of where that came from. Um, and yeah, I, I think, um, we've had a lot of fun with it. And that's you, really cool. You, you don't do martial arts. You're not a real ninja. No, no, no. I, um, yeah, I don't think I've ever been in a fight in my life, actually. So, but you originally you wanted to actually be a, was it a racing car driver or bikes? Yeah, cars, cars. So, um, yeah, I, I um, grew up all my life racing carts. Um, I race cars internationally and stuff like that. So um, a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, um, sometimes you, you get a little bit older and um, life life changes. So yeah, that was the, yeah, maybe it just doesn't roll off the tongue, the NDIS race car driver. <laughs> it's still, still definitely in the fast lane, still, all, still oh, yeah. in the fast lane. And um, doing some really amazing things. You've just done your Bali retreat. You're writing a book. You've got an amazing podcast called NDIS Provider Playbook, which I was lucky enough to be on uh, right at the beginning. And um, you're doing some really cool things. Awesome, thank you. Yeah, no, we've we've done a lot. Um, and yeah, I, I said to you guys before, just before we jumped on camera, that sometimes I wish there was five of me, but. Um, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, and at the end of the day, we, we know why we do what we do. So as long as we keep doing that, then 
You know, it's not a matter of oh, I'm working so hard because the second I stop working, I'm going to pick up the phone and have a conversation with someone like yourselves anyway about, oh, listen to the crap I heard today or, oh, wow, I saw this really cool thing anyway. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, I guess it's okay that it consumes my life. I see you across so many uh, platforms of social media doing so much stuff. And, and maybe that's why you're the ninja because you're just kind of, just kind of everywhere and, and turn yeah. up. What channels of social media do you suggest for NDIS providers and are they all worth exploring or are some better than others? Uh, I think every platform is for a different reason, right? So um, LinkedIn's great to sort of make some formal business connections. Um, Facebook is a great way to connect with participants and things. So the reason why Facebook is so good is because Facebook is a community um, so groups, even your, your messenger and your messenger groups, the pages, um, it's a lot of people go on there and, um, use it as when they're not out of the house down having dinner or whatever, they're still able to connect with a group of people and talk about Formula One or talk about the best way to cook a steak or whatever. It's a very, um, collective mm. form of social media. Whereas Instagram is more about, um, you you want to sit there by yourself. You don't want to talk to everyone. You want to sit there and and be not so much a lurker, but um, you know it's a very individualized type. So that's why you'll see content on Instagram where it's like me talking to the camera, and then on Facebook you'll see us putting out a question like question to the group. What do you think about this? And it's more of a forum. So why that's really valuable as a provider is because a lot of the participants as well might not have quite um, the same access to informal supports or um, you know, quite as big of a social network. So that's why they're using platforms like, like that. So if you can get on there and, um, give them value, um, and, and help facilitate that, then it's a win-win for everybody. Even if it doesn't turn into work, right? Just do it because you're a good person. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, um, uh, you know, seeing people doing different things on, on different platforms and, and treating some of them just like a billboard. Um, mm often seems to be the case. So I think you're really right on there, like being in that community and, and, and using that. That's fantastic. Chris, I'm, I'm wondering how we know if our social media is working. So, you know, I, I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn. You've got me much more across doing better on Instagram, still pretty new to Facebook. Um, but for me, I've been on LinkedIn for, 15 plus years. I've got almost 6,000 connections. I have a big audience there. How do we measure? How do we actually know what's working? Recently in, in my other business, Strawberry Solutions, um, we spend quite a lot on Google AdWords and we were doing a little bit on LinkedIn and we realized this and we're like, oh, LinkedIn's not working. So we stopped paying our LinkedIn and we noticed that actually our Google AdWords campaign was impacted when we stopped LinkedIn because even though they come through Google AdWords because they type in your name, they actually first see us on LinkedIn and you know, there's so many ways, like we're, we're doing podcasts, we're doing blogs, we're doing posts, we're doing content, we're doing all of these things. How do we measure that this is making us money? And how do we know what we do more of? And, and how do you figure that out? Um, okay. So I think, um, the three tips there, uh, the first would be obviously metrics that you can get from the platform themselves. Um, 
So they'll tell you, you know, what your ROI is and ad spend at a very basic level. The second is you need to look at it at a bigger level, much like you said, and go, how much is our collective marketing and what sort of the return that we're getting in terms of work that's coming through? And then you can go and dissect that because you're absolutely right. Someone's going to see you on LinkedIn, then they're going to see you on Instagram, and then they're going to go and Google you and then click on your Google ad link. So um, while that seems like Google sent the traffic, it didn't. LinkedIn got the attention. Instagram created the um, uh, referral, so to speak, and then Google logged it because that's the, the traffic source that it came from when they went and Googled you. Um, so you need to look at it as a collective as well um, and include all of the things like how much are we spending on soccer teams and things like that. It's very hard to measure a lot of things. Like a lot of people go, oh, they all come from word of mouth. But they don't really, where does the word of mouth come from? Is it coming from the local soccer team because you're down there cooking the barbecue and three of the mums um, have have children that go to the same school and at the school they talk about you? You need to be very, very um, across it. Um, and then the third tip is is find someone that's not a shark to help you with your marketing um, because it's very easy. I could look at, um, for example, like Tanya, I help Tanya with her ads, I could go on there and I could twist the numbers one way or the other. Like there's times where I've said to her, like, I'm just not happy with this. And then other times I've gone, oh, I am. Um, but there's a lot of people out there, especially marketing agencies that don't really know that would fall over tomorrow if social media stopped. Um, and those guys will give you these numbers like it's the best thing in the world. It's very easy to twist numbers. Um, so, yeah, yeah, find some... Uh, uh, marketing person to help you that you can trust um, and even spend a bit of time educating yourself to be across those those numbers so you can't be you know, spun a bit of... Yeah. yeah. I, I think that's absolutely right. And again, I won't use the name of the agency that, I, that I've that i used in the past, but I had a digital agency and we recently had a changeover in staff. And so I wanted to get across the spend, we're spending $350,000 a year. And I was like, I need to know where, where, what is this working? Because yeah, we're getting leads, but you know, or my gut tells me we could be doing better. And of course I go to the digital marketing meeting with the agency and I'm like, I think we can do better. And of course, every owner thinks that they can do better. Everyone wants to spend less money. And then we looked at the campaign together and I asked some questions and the the, the new marketing person asked better questions than me because they understood it more. But I, I kind of drilled in and said, but tell me more and tell me more and explain that. And basically through the course of the meeting, they were like, you're right. We could have been doing so much better. And if I hadn't have gone to that meeting and picked it up, they've been with us for two years. Why didn't we know about this 23 months ago? Why does it take me going, okay, okay, you just said that there was a drop. Why didn't you tell me the second there was a drop? Why haven't we done, like, why has it taken so long? And I think a lot of the things that I've seen, and I've used digital marketing agencies in multiple businesses for many, many years, it's really holding them to account and asking the questions and being on it. And if you don't do that, I think they get comfortable maybe is the word. I was going to say lazy, but maybe it's comfortable mm-hmm. in in what they're doing and they don't think that they need to continue to perform better. Yes, absolutely, 100%. There's a lot of um, cowboys out there and you, you hear stories all the time of people going, oh, you know, what's the CPM on that and stuff. And Genuinely stuff that's so, so like absolute min, everyone should know what that is. And people go, Oh, what does that mean? And it's like, how, how are people paying you to, to do this? Um, the, the last piece of advice that I have, like you said, is, is hold them to account, but also dig down a little bit deeper. Um, uh, 
find out, ask them for some example campaigns on how to leverage your marketing. Say to them, how do I leverage this offline? And if they go, I don't know, we only do socials. It's like, yeah, but everyone knows how to use social media, man. Um, the, the marketing behind it is what makes social convert. Social media isn't this yeah. amazing tool that can just bring you amounts of money in the right hands. Absolutely. But that's marketers. It's, it's easy to jump on and do a four hour course and learn how to use a platform. Um, it's the, the years and years and years of marketing behind it that make that work. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there are, there are those sharks out there who are just going to go, cool. Here's a bundle of numbers that look really cool. And mm. providers are spending money on that, which is really sad. Um, so yeah, I thank you very much for, for, I think, clearing that up for a lot of our listeners about how they can probably identify and, and drill into what are those metrics? How am I going to know what's actually happening? And you're right. Each provider should educate themselves to a certain level. So they know what they're asking for, what they're talking about. Um, could you share a case study or success story of a provider, you know, who's effectively utilized uh, the digital marketing to get a, a decent return on investment? And so someone maybe come in and, and start it out and you've seen them, you know, obviously go on and, and grow. Yeah, cool. So, um, uh, so brand new provider, we do what we call a cornerstone program. So basically when they don't, if they're a brand new provider who doesn't have any content, any work with participants or things like that, something that we may do is, um, we build out a program. So basically it's a bigger than Ben Hur program. So instead of being watering for two hours out the back of the day program, um, what we would do is get a group of guys together, take them up to the apple farms in Bilpin, learn a bit about the trade. Um, harvest the apples, bring them back, wash them, prepare them, sell them at a local growers market, just a much more bigger involved program. So we put that in place on the ground and then we have all of those tools to go to social media with um, and then we've got something to advertise. We've got something that tells people who is um, who it is that we are, what it is that we do, shows that we um, are building that disconnect between we're good and everyone knowing that we're good people. Um so as a bit of a case study, we do that with a lot of providers is put together that cornerstone program. Um, mm-hmm. And basically, you want to use that to get it in front of five or 10 participants and start and kick off. And then from there, you need to you know plug in and leverage those relationships. But specific case studies, um, yeah, there was one that we did here in Sydney. They had an apartment complex, um, Seal, Ilo and SDA. Um, it took us four months nonstop to fill it, but you know, there was 28 spots. We had over a hundred people through it to open home and, um, we got, sorry, there was 30 something spots and we got 28 filled on the open home day, the first launch day. Um, Fantastic. yeah. So, um, filling 28 odd sill accommodations in three hours, um, sounds like a huge thing. Um, but it was the four months behind on the ground that yeah. it took. Building the audience, building trust with the audience, showing them updates, um, contacting support coordinators beforehand, and all of the other parts go together. But yeah, so we filled twenty-eight seal houses in three hours. And that's like months behind that's the overnight but, success, isn't it? The overnight success that took four months to build. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I think a lot of um, providers get caught in the fact of you know I'm, I I put a post up. Why aren't I getting results now? But I think, you know, that really outlines, you know, four months with a really targeted campaign um, came to a three-hour head where you filled 20 yes. out of 30 spots. That's fantastic. Um, what do you think were, like, the key factors that contributed 
to that success? Like, were they were were they persistent? Were they learning? Was it was it all you? Was it you know what were those things that might have made it even that bit more uh, successful? Yeah. So that that team had a really uh, great BDM on the ground. Mm-hmm. So for us, we just had to put all of the rights. Um, tools in front of their BDM. So the BDM could contact a coordinator and go, hey, instead of, hey, we've got uh, brand new SIL places available, they had tools to create that connection and build that relationship over three months to then invite them to the open home. Um, so um, that was probably one of the keys. So basically we did, here's the marketing plan, here are the tools we're going to give. But, you know, as, for you to get in front of these support coordinators, here's this you know, a guide that you're going to offer them. Here's this box of donuts you're going to take to them. Here's you know, this, this, this. Um, so, yeah, it's a very, very collective approach. But um, we did basically everything up and until having the conversations with support coordinators. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. So the, the question that I have for you, Chris, kind of goes back to what, what you said in the beginning. You said in the beginning that every social media channel has a purpose you said that Facebook is a community. LinkedIn is good for professional relationships. What is the purpose then of Instagram and TikTok? Do they have a place? And a personal question for you is why do you love Instagram so much? Vanity. Instagram is great for Um, No, Instagram is great for uh, creating a deeper personal connection with someone. Um, So you can really educate your your audience um, and in a way that comes across that it's not. So every time I get a message on LinkedIn, um, I know I'm, you know, I'm being sold to here. Whereas Instagram is, um, you know, I'm seeing what my friends are up to and having a good time. And it's a lot more conducive to building a genuine human personal brand it's not it's basically like think if you go out to okay so um if you go out to an expo that's got an awards night after it at the expo everyone's got their suit on and their tie and their uh, professional hat same thing when they go to the awards they've got their suit and the tie on but after they've had three drinks you're having different conversations um so linkedin's the expo during the day uh instagram is the 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 real raw human networking that happens after um so yeah that's sort of the the difference if i had to draw a comparison and what about tiktok is tiktok got a place for nds providers um i mean not not really that we're using i don't think it's necessarily a bad thing but i also think that the audience that's on there um a lot of the time are not on there seeking out information or anything like that. It's uh, a lot about entertaining and things like that. So um, it doesn't it doesn't hurt, but uh, it wouldn't be one of the core foundation. It would be the last that I would go to. Same as like Pinterest and stuff. For SEO purposes, you know, Pinterest is good, but, um, you know, just have, same with Twitter. Like it's not, I don't know that there's much, <clears throat> as much value there to be had as others mm. for our sector specifically. Yeah. So a few times we've been talking, you've talked about, I guess, the process 
And I, I guess just from what you've said and, and a little bit of my experience, it sounds like if you're first starting in, in any kind of marketing, but say digital marketing, there's a, there's a need to first put together a bit of a plan. Out of that comes like a content strategy. Then uh, talking about our last episode, you want to then use organics to build your audience or your pedigree. And then I guess there's testing and measuring to see if paid is going to be a channel for you, depending on your budgets. Is that yeah. right? Have I missed anything big? And is there a way, where would you suggest a provider starts with this? Or do they always need an expert? Or are there simple, quick, cheap things that someone can try themselves before engaging an expert? Um, I, th- I think there is. But for the most part, a lot of the time, it's going to end up being more expensive. Um, because you also need to factor in your time. And if you can go and jump on and watch a YouTube video that takes you a day to learn, um, and then you could go and spend a hundred dollars and turn it into 10,000, everyone would be making $10,000 a day, right? The mm. reason that that doesn't work is because by when you really dive into it, there's so much more. So for, for you to get to the level, like collectively, there's so much marketing, um, experience that our team have. Now, for you to go and get that level, you would have to spend hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars to have got that much knowledge, right? Um, so, if you can get it for a couple of grand, why would you waste that time yourself to uh, to do? Basically, yeah, I, I think it's actually a lot cheaper to get it done right. Um, I'm, you know, when I, I go out somewhere, I'm not looking for the cheapest thing. I'm looking for the best value. And I think the best value, um, conducive to our time as well. Cause you need to think, why did you start this business? Did you start this business because you provide great service delivery? Um, then that's what you're good at. Why would you, would you get the shits if a taxi driver came and started delivering services? It's the same thing. Like that we're like, well, you you're you're great at providing support. You're not great at marketing. That's not your strong yeah. suit. Focus on what you're you're good at. Be an expert at it, and leave everything else to the other experts. And it is so time consuming, right? Like, oh, just it's so time consuming. I, I'm surprised at how much of my life just maintaining my social presence takes. And I often look at it, and I, I have a marketing assistant who helps me. Um, but like we do a quarterly plan and we sit down and do that together. But outside of that, even just like checking the, the post to make sure they went up and there's no typos and spell, it's just such a, it's always constantly in my brain. How, is this done right? Is it done well? You know, I, I think that there's, there's so, there's so much that you can get absorbed in that that can take you away from actually the core purpose. And I know, you know, I can make so much more money by focusing on doing a really great job with my clients that that blows anything that I can do on social media out of the water. It just doesn't make sense for me to spend my time there, except I want to know that it's working and I want to know enough about it to know if in my gut I feel like it's representative of what my voice is. And I think that's the only place that I need to be involved. Yeah. Yeah. I think you've got a a really good – the level of uh, experience that you've got, Chris, is going to make life so much easier for providers who are, you know, trying to get their head around, um, you know, uh, getting registration done or being compliant or finding staff, um, getting clients in the door and, and actually signed up in your business all comes back to just having a really clear plan set out, a strategy that's there, and you've outlined all those things. So, um, I'm wondering if you could actually just give us a, again, and we'll put this in the show notes. Just give us a, a rundown. How are we going to contact you? 
um, because if they haven't heard the last podcast, we've got your details there, but I want people to get in contact with you because I know that you're going to actually provide massive value to providers across Australia. Yeah, awesome. Um, best way to get in contact with us is um, the website, growdsp.com.au or, um, yeah, on Instagram, the NDIS Ninja. Check it out. There's lots of free free tips and a lot of educational stuff put out on there. So um, jump on and, yeah, use those those tips and tricks and have a crack. Great. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining us, Chris. It's been so great to talk to you again and get your information out there for all of the providers. Um, next week, we are talking to Tommy Trout from WeFlex. We Tommy is a client of of mine and has this amazing, infamous brand, really similar to Chris. Chris, if you don't know him, we should definitely introduce you to Tommy. He's just a, another huge brand in the sector, and he's done really well with utilizing strategic partnerships such with Under Armour, and he's done these amazing campaigns of creating um, stock photos, a library of, of photos with people with disability exercising because he couldn't find any. So it's, it's kind of also about marketing. We're going to be talking about personal brand, strategic partnerships to grow your business with Tommy. And I'm really excited for that one too. So I hope that everyone joins us for that. Awesome. I'm excited. Thanks again, Chris. And we'll look forward to having you on the podcast in season three, perhaps. Thanks, guys. Great. Thanks for having me. You later. Thanks Bye. so much. See ya. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Profitable NDIS Provider Podcast with Tanya Gomez and Paul Bryan. We hope you found today's episode informative and valuable. If you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to subscribe, leave us a rating, and share it with others who could benefit from our insights. Until next time, keep thriving.